Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. I'm Elo Speaks, and on my podcast, we talk about everything that's going on in the sports right now regarding the latest trending topics in the sports world. I have a great fun conversation talking about basketball, football, MMA, boxing, etc. I give my perspective and opinions on the sports topics that interest me, whether it's by me by myself, talking with guest appearances, debating, arguing, or disagreeing, or doing reaction videos. We are here to have a fun dialogue and talk about the sports that we love to watch. Make sure to follow me on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and Twitch to get updates with my latest podcast when I drop. Stay tuned. Thank you and enjoy. Hello, guys. Welcome to the Elo Speaks podcast. Thank you for watching or listening wherever you are listening right now, whether it's on YouTube, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Music, etc. I want to thank you for taking your time out of your day to listen to my podcast. All right, so let's get into it. So I want to talk about uh, three particular topics with sub-topics in between them. The first thing I want to talk about is the NFL Super Bowl prediction on who's going to win between the AFC Championship game and the NFC Championship game. Also, what's going on with Aaron Rodgers and what will Tom Brady do this season? So, let's get into it. So, right now, we all seen what happened last week. A great divisional football game round between the four teams that were left and I mean, the eight teams that were left, excuse me. And now, we're down to just four teams left. And right now, we're down to the Kansas City Chiefs, the Bengals, the 49ers, and the Rams. Now, granted, when I was watching the Chiefs and Bills game, man, I was explosive. For the last two minutes, I was on the edge of my seat, excited. And you could also say about the Rams and the Bucks game, I, I thought Tom Brady was almost about to pull off the upset again like he did against the Atlanta Falcons. But the Rams persevered and they moved forward to the next round by beating the Tom Brady and the Bucks. So let's get to it. So as regards to the playoffs, I think my prediction to who's gonna win is, wait, let's start with the NFC Championship game. The NFC Championship game is gonna be a bitter rivalry in the NFC West between the Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers. Now, top and bottoms, the Rams have the better roster, but I can't count out the 49ers just yet because they're like a dark horse right now that's like running through everything. I didn't think they were gonna get this far. I thought I would see them probably get out probably maybe in the first or second round, but for them to make it this far to face the Rams in the NFC uh, championship game, is impressive on their part, so I can't count them out just yet. But if you go overall top to bottom from the roster, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, defense, for the most part, the Rams have the better players. Now, San Francisco do have some best players, but what it comes down to is quarterback play. And I personally think that Matthew Stafford is better at his quarterback play than Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, I could be wrong because last week I made a lot of wrong predictions on who I thought was going to win. I thought the Titans was going to win. I thought the Bills was going to win. I thought a lot of teams were going to win, etc. But 
for this one, I'm going to take the Los Angeles Rams in this one. They're going to be playing on Sunday at right, uh, SoFi Stadium. So the Rams will have home field advantage. So that's going to be another uh, advantage for them to take part in as they go against the Rams. It's going to be a third time they didn't meet. So who knows what could happen, especially with divisional rivals. Anything could happen. I could, I wouldn't be surprised if the San Francisco 49ers pulled off the upset, but I think it's safe to say that the Rams will win this game. Um, the score I have, I will have, I have the Rams winning 26, and I have the San Francisco scoring 23. I think it ends off the field goal with the Rams winning and potentially Matthew Stafford going to his first ever Super Bowl. And the fact that he's been playing with that horrible, moribund franchise in Detroit for all his life. And for him to finally like break through and make it, this will be a great achievement for him just to make it and go to the Super Bowl. So it'll be a good achievement on his part. All right. So the next game that we have is the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. Now this right here. This is a, the Cincinnati Bengals have been a dark horse. Um, I'm happy for Joe Burrow. I really like Joe Burrow as a player. I think he's great football team. I think he's a great leader. Um, I've been watching him since LSU, and he shows a lot of potential. I didn't think they was going to get this far. I thought it was going to take a couple of years for him to develop and uh, carry his team into the future. But the strides that he's making so far – I'm very happy in his progress and hope the best for him will forward. Um, now, beating the Kansas City Chiefs is no, is not tall task. It's going to be really tough. Um, Cincinnati Bengals have one of the worst offensive lines in the playoffs right now. Uh, Joe Burrow got sacked nine times during the Titans game. So that's going to be real tough. Now, I'm not saying, like, the Kansas City Chiefs defense are juggernauts or anything like that, but still, if you can't protect the quarterback and you're putting him in compromising positions where he's getting sacked, potentially fumbling or making a bad throw when he throw an interception, that can be bad for the Cincinnati Bengals to move forward. And if you turn over the ball or give Kansas City Chief offensive more possessions on the field, they will blow you out by 20 points. So you have to take that in mind when scheming for this team. Um, the best thing to do for them is to take the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hand, keep him on the field, put your offense there, try to run the ball, try to try to win the, the time of possession. That's, that's what I think they should do. Because if you give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes, he's going to make magic. And when he makes magic, anything's possible with him. So the best thing to do for the uh, Cincinnati Bengals is time of possession, run the ball, make smart plays, don't turn over the ball, and just keep Kansas City on their heels. Just try to be in lead with them because if you if Kansas City starts getting like going, it's, it's a wrap. Um, I do have the San Francisco 49 My apologies. I do have the Kansas City Chiefs winning this game, but with the strides that the Cincinnati Bengals have been making so far, I can see them possibly being a competition for them, keeping the game close. So I have the Kansas City Chiefs winning 35 and the Cincinnati Bengals 27.
Right. So, and the next side topic as regards to that. Now, we all saw the choke job that Aaron Rodgers did at Lambeau Field against the 49ers. I was heavily disappointed because I picked the Packers to win. Uh, they was having a great season. I also picked Aaron Rodgers as the MVP of the season. And for him to go down like that was really disappointing on his part. And now that um, his contract is up, uh, rumors have been swirling about as regards to what he's going to do. What is he going to stay in Lambo? Is he going to go to another team? What decisions he's going to be making? Um, he did give a uh, after game interview. He was very coy, very nonchalant. Uh, didn't really give too much answers. And I expect that help. I expect that from him. So, because we don't know what he's going to do. To me, to be honest, I think he should leave Green Bay. That's my personal opinion. Um, I heard people ballyhooing about him going to Denver. That could possibly be an uh, option for him. But uh, going up against Patrick Mahomes and other uh, QBs in that division is going to be tough. I understand that Denver Broncos have a great defense and just need a quarterback that could change around their franchise. And Aaron Rodgers can be the guy for that job, but he has to be smart in what he might be getting himself into as regards to that. So he has the power in his hand to do that. Um, it was a great ride in Lambo, but I just don't feel like they're putting the right pieces around him for him to win. I don't see it. I feel like they they want to move on from Aaron Rodgers, but they want to know that there's nothing left from Aaron Rodgers so they can feel comfortable moving on from him because if there's a lot more gas in the tank for Aaron Rodgers to continue playing for an extended amount of time and he goes to another team and end up winning another Super Bowl, or possibly MVPs, then it's going to look bad on the Packers because that they have they, they let a, a a Hall of Fame QB walk out the door for literally nothing. And the, the fans of Alabama are going to be pissed off about that. So they got to be mindful and careful. If I'm, if I'm the Green Bay Packers, I'm doing everything in my power to try to keep Aaron Rodgers. I understand he's a diva. I understand that he has a preconceived notion about himself. He thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. I understand all that, but he's a once-in-a-generation talent, and unfortunately, you have to make exceptions for exceptional people. And Aaron Rodgers is an exceptional quarterback where you have to make those type of sacrifices for him and get him what he wants because we don't. we still don't know anything about love. Uh, what he could do, and we see him play when he was on the field that one game, and I wasn't impressed by it. Now, granted, I'm not, I'm not saying I wanted a 500 yards, two touchdowns, no interception game, but uh, it's gonna take him a little bit of time to, you know, get his feet wet and try to take over the team as a, as the new person that's gonna be playing for the, the Green Bay Packers. But that's all if. Aaron Rodgers decides to leave, but I think he's going to exercise his options, see what's on the table, see what's best for him, see what's not best for him. Um, I think he should leave Green Bay Packers. I don't see the point of him staying there anymore. If he wants to stay there just for 
the love of the team, the fans, and beat playing there your whole career. That's great. But so far, we've seen other great quarterbacks, such as Tom Brady, uh, Peyton Manning, etc., leave to go to greener pastures, and they end up winning Super Bowls because of it. So that could possibly be, you know, Aaron Rodgers' future moving forward. So that that's always on the mind of other people because you already see Peyton Manning win a Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos. We also see Tom Brady in his first year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers win. And so far, you know, he's still playing there. And he, they're, you know, even though they lost against the Rams, they still, you know, but they're still in a position where they could have a chance to win for a couple of more seasons. So that's always good for them. So Aaron Rodgers could possibly go to a playoff contending team that needs a quarterback. Um, who knows? Maybe he could go to the, uh, the, the Tennessee Titans. They could probably trade to Ryan Tannehill for picks. And he could have a great running back as King Harry in the backfield. Or, again, he could go to Denver. So those are the options. That's for Aaron Rodgers right now in terms of what he wants to do. So because I know I know that it's staying with Green Bay Packers, I personally don't see him winning another Super Bowl. He could, he could probably make it to possibly NFC title games. I don't see him winning those. But in terms of winning multiple Super Bowls, I just don't see it. Because in terms of the roster that they put around him, they put a decent roster around him, but his defense is always not there to keep him up. Even though he had a bad game against the 49ers, the 49ers has always had Green Bay Packers numbers for some reason. I don't know why. Whether it's at home, on the road, etc. They just have their number. But for, it just it happens over and over and over and over and over for Aaron Rodgers, where where it's time for him to step up, make the next leap, and be great and be seen as one of the top ten quarterbacks in the league. He's just not there on that caliber of a Tom Brady, a Peyton Manning, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and all. Because he's just not making it to the championship game, and unfortunately, I don't want to. I don't want to compare Tom Brady to Aaron Rodgers, but we've seen Tom Brady make it to championship game, NFC championship game, Super Bowls, time after time after time. So it's always been like that. But um, again, that's that's an unfair comparison. But I just wanted to show a dichotomy between the two and what we expect of Aaron Rodgers because he's a great quarterback. Mm-hmm. All right, so that's enough of that. Um, the next topic I wanted to get into was this one, This one's going to be real quick. Um, I wanted to get into Tom Brady, speaking of him. So the Tom Brady and the Bucks had lost to the LA Rams after nearly putting off a comeback. So another thing I wanted to get into is that Will Tom Brady retire this season? And I think we all know the answer to that is no. I'm pretty sure he has he's at home right now, even eating his avocado ice cream, looking at game tape, etc., seeing what he did wrong. And he's gonna come back next season more hungry, more ferocious, more with more hunger, more fury. It's gonna it's gonna light up a fire under him where he's gonna wanna pursue more. Um I remember him 
I'm joking that, you know, him, him and Gronkowski joking that he could play so 50. Um, I'm starting to think that's not really a joke. Um, even at his current age, he's like 44 right now, but still, I see him playing a couple more years. He's going to try to see if he can win as much Super Bowl as he can. Uh, one thing I don't particularly like Brady, um, the, I, it's not that I don't like him as a person or anything like that. He's probably a great person. I just hate him as a competitor. I just want to, like, beat him. That's just me personal. I just, like, you know, as a competitor, I want to beat him. But one thing I do like about Brady is he he, he doesn't let people tell him when to hang it up. He's going to decide when he's time for him to hang it up. He's not going to let his wife, the fans, the media, people like myself tell him to hang it up. He's going to decide when he's hanging up, and he's going to continue to reach new heights, even though he's already reached higher heights than most people would ever dream of in their lifetime. So for him to continue striving to be better with as much Super Bowls as he can, I admire that, but damn. He's trying to, like, he's really trying to shatter that greatest quarterback of all time out the door. People already seen him as the best quarterback of all time when he won his fifth Super Bowl. Then on top of that, when he won his sixth Super Bowl, it just like elevated him to the next level. And then when he won his seventh Super Bowl with Tampa Bay in his first year at a home Super Bowl game, that put him in a stratosphere of like his own. He's in a league of his own where nobody can match him at all like if anybody ever picture comparing him to tom brady is gonna be blasphemy that is gonna be like jordan how nobody's could be bash with jordan i understand that there's talks with lebron james but we nobody takes those talks seriously because we already know those are media generated narratives between the gold conversation with tom brady i mean with lebron james and michael jordan but Nobody's going to mention any quarterback with Tom Brady. Now, there's going to be uh, a couple of old heads that's still going to say that Joe Montana is still the greatest quarterback of all time because of his greatness and uh, winning four Super Bowls, no interceptions, being undefeated, etc. And you could have that argument, but it's going to be hard to do that with a quarterback who went to 10 Super Bowls and won seven of them. So... That's um, obviously Tom Brady's not going to retire. And most people know that. His wife knows that. He knows that. The fans know that. Everyone knows that. But it's going to be a tough outing. How it's looking like it's gonna, we're gonna, they're going to have to drag him off the field for him to retire. But you could tell he hit, like, this is, this is what he loves to do. He just wants to play football. And he wants to be the best that he can be. And he wants to keep shattering expectations every new goal that he has he wants to shatter expectations and be the best that he can be nobody in their mind could thought that a quarterback could win seven super bowls so he's continuing breaking the wall um creating new expectations for himself and everyone else that's possibly watching him play so um i commend him for that you know i hate tom brady but you know that's it is what it is um, he is the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, he's continued doing great things. He's breaking records every season that he's played. Um, he did have some craziness going on 
with his team. He had injuries, but I'm not going to give him that excuse because every team is dealing with injuries. Um, and the craziness I'm talking about is obviously the Antonio Brown situation, but that, that's what you get with Antonio Brown, to be honest. Like, that he's a wild, he's a wild, well, he's a life wire. Like, you don't know what you're going to get out of him. You wanted him on your team, so you got to deal with all the, the good and the bad that comes with him. So that's the end with that. So I do see a Tom Brady coming back for a couple more seasons. I don't know how long he's going to play, but he's going to try to play as long as he can. And good luck to him. And I wish him the best in terms of his future endeavors playing football. All right, and that's all I have for as regards to the NFL topic. So when I get into the next topic, say bye. We'll be having a break. All right, hey guys, welcome back to the Youth Beat Podcast. Uh, thank you for taking a break with me. Uh, so now I'm back at it again with the next topic, and uh, the main topic is going to be centered around James Harden and his frustration with the Brooklyn Nets and everything that's going on this season. And to be honest, I don't blame him, so let's get into it. So now there's been rumors uh, circling about that James Harden is going to be leaving uh, at the end of the season with the Brooklyn Nets. And now uh, rumors are starting about saying that should the Brooklyn Nets trade him. Now, that's a tough decision to make. If I'm the Brooklyn Nets front office, um, I won't trade. I wouldn't trade Brooklyn Nets. I wouldn't trade James Harden. I'll try to write out the season. I'll try to see what's going on with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. I understand, you know, Kyrie Irving's foolishness going on with uh, not taking the vaccine and playing part-time is quite troublesome and annoying, and I can understand his frustration. Now, Kevin Durant is currently injured with a knee injury, and his timetable is unknown. We don't know when he's going to come back. Hopefully, he comes back with a speedy recovery, and they can move forward by trying to be just staying afloat, being a top four seed in the, uh, the Eastern Conference. But it's not looking too good right now as regards to how the season is progressing forward. So we all know that the trade deadline is in February and the Brooklyn Nets have some decisions to make. Would they want to trade James Harden for whoever's out there for your seat? But what what I want to tell the what I want to ask the Brooklyn Nets front office is if you do trade James Harden, what are you gonna get back from? You're not gonna whatever you're trading for whatever you're trading is superstar, you never get adequate results for your trade. Like you're not you're not gonna get an equal exchange. Normally you're getting parts, you're not getting a great a good part or an equal above part. The only trade most trades I've seen is whoever got the superstar won the trade. That's how I see it. But there are certain instances where there's teams who traded players for equal value like John Wall for Russell Westbrook. To me, that was an equal trade. Player-wise, contract-wise, that was an equal trade. Um, It benefited both teams and how it went down. But with this particular trade going on right now, I just don't see how the 
Brooklyn Nets could trade James Harden right right in the thick of the season, especially how everything's going on. And granted, I understand he's frustrated. He doesn't like his role. He, he he's not he don't like New York, uh, Brooklyn, New York, uh, being uh staying there. Uh, the team chemistry is not gelling well because of the consistent injuries and roster movement. I could tell the 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 front office coaching are is a disaster. Steve Nash doesn't know what he's doing. Um, I, I try to give him the benefit of the doubt, but he just doesn't know what he's doing at all. I don't see what's like change up is for them. It's like it's KD or bust. I understand you have two great superstars on your team with James Harden and uh, Kevin Durant, but you need to have some defensive scheme plans or some type of roster shakeup where it could help the team be better and be more formidable because even when they did have the number one seed in the conference, we still didn't feel like, yeah, this, this is the best team that could possibly win it all. I, I never like felt that they could win with that particular team. And now with the whole Kyrie Irving situation, what's next? Because... Um, the, even though Kyrie is playing part-time basketball right now, he's playing because out of desperation, not out of necessity. He's not playing because all oh, we want him on the court. The Brooklyn Nets got desperate. They needed him on the court to stay afloat and be title contenders. So what's next? Because after next season, if James Harden do left, it's going to be a huge blow for them because now they're going to be lacking heavily in offense. And uh, they're already lacking in defense. So they're going to have two uh, all-stars on the team with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, which is still good enough to contend. But when James Harden was on the team, he was supposed to propel them over the hump to beat title contenders and win the championship. At least win one championship. And it hasn't looked that far. Same thing with the, with the Los Angeles Clippers. So... That's disappointing to see as regards to that. I don't I don't see where James Harden could go after free agency. He could go back to Houston. I don't think he's gonna do that. I think he wants to play for a contending team where he could possibly win. But any team that he does go to, I'm gonna be surprised because I thought him and the Brooklyn Nets was gonna try to do this and actually win a title. I understand how he got to Brooklyn was kind of shunned upon from the media because of his actions and how he tried to request a trade. But still, nonetheless, he got to Brooklyn and they were close to almost going to the, the NFC Championship game. If you know that team was healthy, they would have beat the Bucks at five. That's just my opinion. I don't care what nobody says. If that team was fully healthy, with all three of them on the floor, even if it, even if you want to take James Harden out of it and you just want to keep it KD and Kyrie, they still would have beat the Bucks of five. That's just my opinion. But I, I digress. Now, it's getting hectic right now in the season where KD's hurt. We don't know when he's coming back. Kyrie is a part-time ball boy. I, I, I never thought I would see that. And James Harden is frustrated as well, so... Now the team is going through a lot of turmoil and a lot of grief right now where the future is not known. We don't know what's going on because, unfortunately, I don't I don't want to put this out there, but, you know, Kitty is getting up there in age. It's not something where he might get hurt again. 
I wish he doesn't get hurt, but it's just as you get older, the injury starts to pile up. And the same thing with Kyrie Irving, he had an injury history as well. So, I mean, it's great that he's playing. Uh, the great part about him playing part-time is it, it lessens the chance of him getting injured, and he also can heal faster from any nagging injuries that he might possibly have or any soreness that he might be dealing with. But still, nobody wants to pay you millions of dollars to be a part-time player. So that's just my thoughts and opinions on that uh, as regards to that situation. There's an ugly situation overall, and I think the the Brooklyn Nets front office are just scrambling around, seeing what they could do to try to fix this situation and possibly come out this winning a title. But it's going to be tough. The Eastern Conference is not a gimme no more. There's a lot of tough competition with the Bucks, the Miami Heat, the Sixers, etc. So it's going to be a tough outing moving forward. Um, the next topic I wanted to talk about is, of course, my favorite topic is the MVP, NBA MVP race. So, so far with Kevin Durant being hurt, Steph Curry going to a slump and left the MVP race wide open. So right now the front runner at this moment is Nikola Jokic, the Joker, and he's averaging 25 points, 13 rebounds, and seven assists, which are great numbers. Now, people want to talk about his record-wise, and I perfectly understand that. But you got to understand his team is not fully healthy. He's miss, he's missing MJG, and he's missing uh, Murray. So that heavily impedes him in terms of winning. I'm pretty sure if he had a full healthy roster, they would have been in a higher seed. So then we have number two, we have Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right now, Giannis Antetokounmpo is having a quiet season. I think we're just so used to him dropping 28, 11, and 6 uh, as a that we don't, like, we just expect that from him. So it's just it's nothing new for him. I think that's why he's not getting ballyhooed about in terms of the MVP conversation. But if he could, if he continue to drop these numbers and get right, raise his team to a higher record-wise, then he could jump into that MVP race and probably lead the charge on that. Number three, we have Joel Embiid with the Philadelphia 76ers, and he's been dropping great numbers too. He's dropping 28, 10, and 4, which is great for him. Um, I'm happy for him and the Philadelphia 76ers um, playing great the way that they are, especially with Ben Simmons out being a diva that he is. And I'm surprised that they're like playing good. Uh, MVP, um, he's possibly in striking distance to win MVP. I think that Giannis and Nikolai Jokic are having just a little bit, just a little bit better season than he is. So um, I can understand why he's being number three in the race. But if he continue playing great like this and don't get hurt, he could possibly win the MVP. I guess I, I could see him win the MVP. So right now, Kevin Durant is number four. He dropped all the way down. He was number one in the MVP race. I had him winning the MVP if um, he continued to play the way that he did. He was averaging 29, 7, and 5, and they had the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. But, uh, unfortunately, he got hurt with a knee injury, and that, that sidelined him for however long, so I don't see him winning the MVP anymore, depending on how long this injury is going to last. But, 
He dropped down to number four. And number five, we have Chris Paul with uh, averaging numbers of 14, four rebounds, and 10 assists. Uh, those are decent numbers for a guy in his advanced age, but I don't see those as MVP numbers. I do see that the I do see the Phoenix Suns in a great position because of him, but I don't see him winning the MVP. And those are I, I wanted to talk about the top five, but I have to mention the six because Steph Curry just like fell off the map. I don't know what's going on with him. He's been going through a huge streaming slump, and we don't know what's going on. He gets act together and start playing better. Otherwise, they're gonna lose their slow grip on the Western Conference. In terms of seating wise, and it's not going to be good for them moving forward. All right, and the next topic I wanted to talk about was Anthony Davis. So recently, he returned to the Los Angeles Lakers against the Katie-less, Kyrie-less uh, Brooklyn Nets. They was able to win that game by ten points, which is a shame. I feel like if you were playing, if if you have LeBron James, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis on the floor, and you're going against the Brooklyn Nets, and they don't have KD and Kyrie, and it's just James Harden, you should be able to beat that team by 20 points. That's just my personal opinion. I don't care what's going on with everything else. You have that much talent on the floor. You should be able to do something, at least. If, if they were playing a full, healthy Brooklyn Nets team, and they beat them by 10, then I'd have, I'd have been like, okay, that was an impressive win by them, but I'm not impressed by this win at all. Um, I still need to see more. Uh, we don't know what's going on with Anthony Davis. Um, they did say he had knee soreness, so he didn't play that long. He had eight points. He had, uh, I think, four blocks, which is uh, good because uh, the Lakers, they need a defensive anchor to help carry them because of the poor defensive play overall. But I don't see Anthony Davis being healthy moving forward. I don't know what's going on with the Lakers, what they're gonna do at the, before the trade line deadline. But if they could if they continue with this roster after the trend the trade deadline, then they're gonna be in the playing tournament at worst. They're gonna be in the playing tournament. So it's not gonna be good for them moving forward. Um he's called street clothes for a reason. Um I don't see Anthony Davis, at his age, too, he's, like, really young. I think he's around 26, 27, so he's young. And the fact that he's been dealing with injuries his whole career, I don't see him being the Lakers, like, future moving forward because of his his injury history. And by the time he gets into his 30s, I don't see it getting better, to be honest. I don't see it getting better. And what decisions are they they're gonna make when LeBron James leave or retires? You, you can't tell me you're gonna have Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis. That's, that team's gonna be a disaster. Clearly, it's gonna be awful. So, yeah. So, I mean, I hope I wish him the best. I hope he has a healthy season, play the rest of the way. But I just don't see them making that push. To be a top of the seed, maybe they could possibly be a fifth at or at worst a fourth seed. I mean, at best a fourth seed. 
But as long as they as long as they can avoid the playing tournament, I think they'll be all right. I don't see them winning a title or anything like that, or contending. They could possibly make it to the second round, but at the rate that they're playing defense, it's just not good for them overall. And I just don't see where I don't see where they could adjust overall and make up changes to where they're gonna be a better team. Because by the end of the day, they're still old. They don't play defense. Their uh their their roster rotation is atrocious. That's why uh Frank Vogel's job is on the line because they you know obviously when you're playing a lot LeBron James team, you need a scapegoat on a team. And so far there's two right now. It's Frank Vogel or Russell Westbrook. So whoever's playing poor is gonna get majority of the play. And that tends to happen with LeBron James led teams. There's always going to be the coaching is always going to be looked screw. It's going to be excruciated upon. And on top of that, though, whoever a star player is on his team, particularly the third star on the team, is going to get majority of flack with playing with LeBron James in terms if they're losing or outperforming. It happened in Miami with Chris Bosh. Same thing happened with uh, Kevin Love in Cleveland. And the same thing is going on right now with Russell Westbrook. So it's nothing new. They they fired the previous coach um, when Rodgers had got there. So it's nothing new that we haven't seen before. I just wish people would call it out more in terms of how to see it. Because whenever LeBron James orchestrates these super uh, teams he and they win, he gets all the credit. They joke around, say he's the GM, etc. But then when they lose, they're struggling. Everything's not going good. Out of nowhere, LeBron James is just a, it's just an NBA player. He doesn't have a say in the roster moves, etc. And I think that's BS. And he needs to be called out on it. And he needs to be held responsible for this roster that he constructed. I don't care about anything else after that, because when it comes to the front office. He has a he has a seat on the in the front office, and they go by him in terms of what Russell Muse he wants to make, and he has that right to have a say. He's the best player on the team. He's one of the best players in the league, and he should have a say. But once he does have a say and things doesn't work out, he needs to be held responsible and liable for the decision that's made and be called out for it. So. That's just what I think about as regards to that. So, all right. Thanks for watching. Uh, Those are my take on what's regard in the NBA right now in terms of James Harden, the MVP race, and Anthony Davis coming back. So, we're going to take a break and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back to the Eel Speaks Podcast. So, uh, the last topic I want to get into is the UFC 270 recap. And that recap is regarding the fight between Francis Nagal and Cyril Recap to unify the heavyweight championship of the world and just give my thoughts and opinions on the matter. So, um, in terms of this fight, I was heavily impressed. I want to see for Francis Nadal. 
um, watching the, the few fights that I have uh, Cyril got, got. Uh, he's a really technical fighter great great striker um, he's a he's a, a point fighter um, he outpoints his opponents and that's a great way to win fights but in terms of going down into the scorecards um, I don't I don't particularly like trusting the referees in terms of like win the fight because they might see that you, you like when it comes to like fights like that you think you might have won the fight but they might have seen a different fight they might look at things different when it comes to split decisions and um, overall decisions uh, if the fight was to continue to stand up and Sarah Garth were to continue to outpoint Francis Gone, he would have won the title but the thing that really 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 impressed me the most out of all of that was that Francis Gone has improved drastically in his wrestling and ground game like not granted it's still raw and there's still some improvements that he needs to make in terms of what he needs to do. He can't just uh, wrestle a start to right ground and just hold him there for like a couple of minutes. But still, the fact that he was able to utilize that and hold and, you know, do a little bit of damage. Like, not just like, you know, ground like wall, like ground and stall him the whole fight. But he shows some versatility in this game, and uh, I was really impressed by that. That he was able to retain his title by beating the interim champion to win, and I think that was a to me that's a signature win for him. It shows growth. It shows that he's not gonna knock out every uh, potential fighter that he faces. He's gonna have to find. He's gonna have to find different ways to win the fight. He can't just knock everybody out. That's not gonna happen. Or TKO people. He's gonna have to figure out a way to, you know, possibly uh, win on the scorecard or win by decision or win by via submission. There's other ways to win the fight. You, you don't have to always go for the knockout. And particularly if you're going up against well skilled fighters like Cyril Gone. Um, he's not going to go down likely, so you're going to have to find a different way to win. And that's what Francis Nagal did. He found a different way to win, and he was able to come out with it. And I was happy for him because if he kept on continuing to try to go for that knockout and it didn't go, he was going to tire himself out throughout the five rounds, and Cyril Gal was going to continue to pick him apart and end up winning the fight. Now, granted, in the first two rounds, I had Cyril gone. 2-0, like straight up. I thought I thought he was having a masterful fight game. Uh, his coach was telling him to do it. He was doing good. Now, out of nowhere, that's when Francis Legault utilized his wrestling to the T, and then that's when he, he was able to get the upper hand and win the fight, and that's what impressed me the most about that situation because it was like, damn. Uh, it, was, it was reminiscent to Stipe Miocic versus Francis where he was uh for Stipe was just overwhelming Francis and Francis never dealt with that before. So he just kind of like curled up and kind of gave up a little bit even before the fight was over. But I think he learned from that experience and became a better fighter. And he also told he also told uh Stipe that, you know, he um because of that fight that he lost against Stipe Miotris, he became a better fighter, he became smarter. He didn't utilize other skills besides the knockout. 
Um, I do, I do think that he needs to be more technical with his striking. I feel like he's too predictable. He needs to utilize some kicks more. Um, I, I don't see him kick at all. He's he's kicked a few times, but he needs to utilize. He needs to change up his uh, uh, striking levels so that way he can be more unpredictable. He needs to go to the body more. Um, he needs to like utilize that. In the MMA, what I love about the MMA is like there's a wide range of things you can do. You could grapple your opponent, uh, beat him up in on the inside like that. You could strike with them, on like hit him to the head, to the body, kicks, uh, kick to the body multiple ways. You could damage your opponent. It's not just strictly punching or striking. You you could do that. So I just was impressed with. Uh, Francis Ngal because he t- he turned that into a wrestling match, and I, that's something I thought I'd never see from Francis Ngal, where he basically like he basically utilized his wrestling, overpowered Cyril Gunn, and basically took him to the ground. Um, he did little damage, not too much, but he did enough to help him win the fight. And then in the fifth round, I thought that Cyril Gunn had when Cyril Gunn had got the takedown. On Francis, I was like, wow, okay, Cyril Gunn won that fight. He's about to finish him right now. And all he had to do was continue to power up to the ground, maybe do a little bit of damage, and he could possibly he could have possibly won the fight. He could have won the fight. But Francis got out of nowhere gone for the go for the reversal when Cyril Gunn stupidly tried to go for a leg lock submission. And I was like, what are you doing? That was a critical error in the fight that he made, and that's what lost him the fight. If he continued that the ground game and just stuck him there, after because I already I could see that if Francis had gone, he was exhausted. He was exhausted, but he gave he gave Francis God just a little bit of room just for the reversal, and once he did that, he kept Cyril uh, God on the ground, and he knew he won the fight. Sergon could have won that fight. That's the thing that like was like, wow, why would you do that? And I, I don't see too much of Sergon uh ground game, but I feel like he could have like won that fifth round right there and there because I had the fight going two two, um, um going to the fifth because I think Sergon won the first two rounds and then won first and then won his two. Uh, he won the third and fourth round, so I had it even going to the fourth round. So I said. Whoever won this first, whoever won this fifth round wins the fight, and Francis end up winning the fight in the fifth round. So it's it was impressive on his part. So hey, I want to congratulate him as regards to that. And you know, better luck next time for Cyril Gunn. Um, I, I I I personally could see him becoming a heavyweight champion in the future. And you know, becoming uh, a dangerous opponent because I see him devastate people, I, I, I devastate other fighters, like skilled top five fighters. So he's gonna he's gonna be in the top five contention. I think he's gonna learn from this fight and come better. But the thing about it is, Francis Nagar is learning too, and he's becoming even more better. So who knows what we might have moving forward as regards to that. So. Um, I just wanted to like give my thoughts and take on that. I just uh, think that was a great overall fight, skill fight. It didn't give us the the power knockout that we 
uh, experience, but you know, it's not not every fight is gonna end in a knockout. We, there's gonna be other ways where a fighter's gonna win the fight, and as long as that fighter wins, I think they don't really care that they got the knockout or not. So, so you know, that's just my thoughts and opinions on the matter as regards to that. Now, um, when it comes to Fresh Galway's next fight, obviously we want the John Bones Jones fight. We're not sure if we're gonna get that. Um, Fresh Legal is going through some legal issues right now, in terms of the USC and whatever situation they got. Personally, I don't too much care about that because it's not dealing with sports. If it becomes out of broad proportion, I'll probably talk about it in the future. But so far, um, I just wanted to talk about the fight and what's going on. So, could a possible fight with um, John Jones happen this sometime this year? I think so. Um, John Jones was on social media on Twitter saying that he would uh, beat up uh, Francis Gong and Sarah Gang. He called him bumps. So, that's just adding more excitement to the fire of what could possibly happen sometime this year. Um, I don't. I see John Jones have been training, but I still feel like it's been too long that he has a fight. I feel like he needs a two-no fight um, with a top five opponent in the game, so that way he could prove to me that he's ready for a championship fight. Possibly a fight with him and Stephen Miocic might be a great fight. I would love to watch that. But so far, if they do have a, a heavyweight fight, championship fight with him. And John Jones, you know I'm going to talk about that. And it'll be great for the sport of the UFC to have. And I think it will break record numbers for, you know, we don't know who possibly might happen. We don't know how John Jones might contend in the heavyweight division. How would Fresno Gold defeat a skilled fighter such as John Jones in the heavyweight division and move forward? So those are my thoughts and opinions right now. And so far, we at the end of the podcast. I want to thank you guys for uh, sitting with me today. If you've been here throughout the whole podcast, thank you. So we're close to ending the podcast. I want to thank you guys for listening. Tell me what you think. Do you agree? Disagree with my takes? Let me know down in the comment section down below. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to like, subscribe on your way out. Make sure to follow me on all my other social media platforms or follow me on Patreon, etc. And this is Edo Speaks Out. Peace.